fellow busybodies. Welcome to BizBody, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners about running a sustainable and successful business that helps people. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Keith Shimon, and alongside me is Brandon Miller. But before we get started, make sure you go over to bizbody.net and sign up for the newsletter. Also, it would mean a lot to us if you would give us a five-star review on iTunes and leave us a positive comment. You know you want to. And lastly, if there is a professional that you would like us to interview or a topic they would like us to cover, just send us a personal message on Facebook or subscribe to the newsletter. Today, we interview Sam Cayucci. Sam is the founder and CEO of OneHuddle, and he's been in sales his entire career. OneHuddle is a quick burst gaming platform to educate employees in the palm of your hand. OneHuddle is one of the first platforms to gamify your employee handbook. Sam has been featured on CNN, Fox News, Bloomberg, and the Wall Street Journal as a small business correspondent, and we are very fortunate for Sam to share his experiences with us today. So I'll stop talking, and let's get right to it. The interview with Sam Cayucci. When I first met you, um, <coughs> how much... You okay, man? No, I'm not. <laughs> He's choked on a lifesaver. <laughs> he still got it in his mouth. Like, get rid of that thing, man. <laughs> And when, when I first met you, in, we went to Bally's that very first time, you know, and I saw, I, I never went in, in, in that part of the private sector. I mean, I've always been in like performance and I've always been in like the collegiate setting. So I've never seen people walk around with like a shirt that says like, kind of hire me, I'm a trainer on the back of it. But then I saw your approach to it, which was, you know, number one, <laughs> in, interesting <laughs> fact that that um, you would literally just call people and you would do a lot of the things that most people were just terrified of doing, you know? And, and, and that's when I knew for a fact that I was like, holy crap, man, you're going to be, you know, whatever you're going to do, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. You know, you're going to, you're going to go get it you're going to be after it. And then that one, <laughs> that time where <laughs> you're dying. Okay. Yeah, he's dying. When I was at your house, you had, I mean, you're already reading a ridiculous amount of uh, books. And then on top of that, you had a quote like that you kept on changing up. You still do that stuff? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, have a, I have a quote that we put up in the office uh, every – we do it every week. And I try to keep that as like the guiding principle for the week. And I try to tie it back to something that we're working on or a client we're – servicing or a sale that's in the pipeline. Uh, I think the, probably the biggest thing that's changed is, you know, you, you, you start to read a heck of a lot of, you, you, in my career, I started reading every professional development book I could put my hand on, yeah. right? Every coaching book, every sports book, every first person motivational story book. And you start to realize that there's a heck of a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. People are saying the same thing a few different ways. And then you start reading history <laughs> and then you start realizing, wow, you know, um, a lot of this stuff has been around for a long time and it's been said a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And I think, I think what happened, I probably, the evolution that's occurred is, you know, we, as you grow as a professional and a person, you start to come up with your own quotes or create something like your own core values. Yeah, core values. And then, and then those core values, uh, are, so the quotes that come in week in and week out always tied to a core value. So like one of our, 
one of our uh, or one of our what we call our standards. Okay. So our company, we have a mission statement. Uh, then we have standards, which are really the laws that we follow every day. They're the they're the attention to detail. Like one of our standards is scrappiness, hmm. and we talk about what scrappiness means. And um, yeah, are, but, is, is your, are your standards and your core values are are they like interchangeable, or are they completely different things in your guys' system? So the stand, so we have ten we have ten standards, and we have five core values. Uh, they are different. And the, the way that they're different is I feel like the standards are, in a way, more measurable. Um, they are, if you were to use a financial example, they're like a key performance metric. I can measure, uh, to a better extent, my ability to abide by a standard, like do your job is a standard. Yeah. Meaning, on every play, if we all do our job, good things happen. So do your job is a standard. But one of our core values is toughness. So toughness, albeit a little bit harder to measure, but something we know that uh, you know our, our our guiding principles like a core like a core value every day. If we look at it, uh, it might mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, but again, we we all know what it means. Like we have smart, tough, competitive, selfless big thing that we always talk about. So smart, tough, competitive, selfless, and hardworking are our five core values. But again, the, 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 the smaller parts that make, that break those core values come to life are the standards we follow in every project and every action, every minute of every day. No, that, that's not perfect. That's awesome. You know, most people don't even sit around and talk about their core values. You've seen, um, I mean, how many different places have you consulted with now that are in kind of like the private sector for for fitness? Probably, I mean, I've probably worked with in from sports performance centers to health clubs to you know boutique training studios. I mean, we probably worked with call it forty to fifty uh, training facilities or clubs. What have you noticed to be some of the biggest holes in their sales process? So I think that. One of the one of the problems in the in the fitness space from a sales perspective is buying into the notion that um, a sale only happens once, hmm. and members that come you know potential members hmm. that come in the door that are, come from a sedentary lifestyle and this is the first uh, it's been a long time since they've walked in or made a change or it's people that are you know advanced uh, fitness enthusiasts and understand what they're looking for uh, I think that. So much has shifted to this perspective that we, you know, we, we, there's so much that relies on the acquisition of the member or the customer, which yeah. is even crazy. Like even to think about the term, like a, to acquire somebody into your business, but then immediately shift your focus uh, away from servicing the heck out of them yeah. and focusing on acquiring yet another person for your business. Um, I, you know, in my business today, I can draw a direct line from maybe half a dozen people uh, or business owners to the rest of my business because of word of mouth and referral. And it's word of mouth and referral is really dangerous because it's overused. Everybody talks about it, but nobody knows how to measure it. And, you know, I think that there is a very powerful way to measure and micromanage your way to drive word of mouth. And it's, you know, and it has to do with having a strong attention to detail to continuing to sell the customer uh, even after they decide to join. 
Can you like uh, so give the, some examples of that? Yeah. So I, I think that recognizing. So when we take somebody through a sales process, the goal is to understand what, why are they changing? You know, yeah. why are you here today? Like something happened. You woke up this morning. You know, maybe it was the belt was a little bit too tight today. Maybe it was a feeling when you were out with your kids and it, it you know, you, 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 you had to, you reached over, you bent over and you felt something you'd never felt before. Uh, something happened and the best sellers, whether they know that they're doing it or they do it on accident, which happens because mm-hmm. they find out what that is and they connect it to a solution that the club can provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem, uh, the, again, the, mm. the opportunity, let me rephrase, to up to continue to sell that customer comes back to tracking how well are you providing and delivering on the promise you made. Because when somebody joins a club, or somebody joins your studio, or somebody comes under your care, you're signing a contract with them as well. Yeah. That you are going to help Put them in a position to be successful. So check-in calls, having a service-forward uh, team member base. You know, the best clubs I've walked into are the ones where the front desk person, the trainer, the person in the spa, the person in the cafe. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a personal relationship with a member. Yeah, uh, collectively. Uh, but you know, if you uh, if you walk into a club, you swipe your card, you don't look at the person who, who's greeting you, and you go upstairs to your corner of, of the facility, and you only do your thing, and you leave, and you interact with one person, uh, I just don't see how you can create a community um, that uh, ensures everybody's going to be successful with that type of business model. Yeah. When you go and, like, say you go to a massage therapist, or for, for you guys, I know that you guys have gone to a muscle activation technique specialist before, or even a doctor do you like when you critique that experience? Because I know that I do. Like, what are some things that that you see as far as what's missing with their service to have opportunities to actually connect better with their customers? So, I think there's a few prongs. Like we we always talk about systems. Mm-hmm. The the term I already said the term micromanage, but I think the term micromanagement gets a bad rap. I think today more than ever. Uh, when it comes to our sales and service process, we have an obligation as professionals and owners to micromanage every part of the sales and service process for our customers, uh, for our patients, for our members. It's it's not, not only is it easy to do if we focus on it, but it puts us in a position uh, to ensure that we're delivering on the promise that we make. So systems in play, like what, it, what, what type of relationship management system are you utilizing? Yeah. What type of information are you tracking? Uh, you know, there's times we'll all be in a club and a, a trainer will have a conversation with a member and, uh, you know, we'll, they'll step away and we'll have a follow on conversation and, and they'll tell me something that that member just told them. And I'll say, where's that information going? Hmm. Like, again, how many, you know, it's just like, it's like, it's caring, but it's where they come from. Who's their family? What do they like? What's their birthday? Where does that information go? Cause you're not going to remember it. Yeah. Uh, are you putting it in a system and then building a process around it? Um, you know, the concept of a holiday card or the concept of a birthday card, you know, it's not cliche less and less people do this stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we, we just got done working with a few clubs doing direct mail campaigns, and people thought we were crazy. We said, people don't send direct mail anymore. It's so the mailboxes are empty. Just the opposite. Yeah. 
So it's an awesome, you know, it's email inboxes that are the ones that are crammed. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it starts with systems. I think that you have to have uh, a, a team that understands that uh, this is, you know, the system means nothing if nobody's going to follow it. Um, it is, it is all about leadership continuing to find ways to connect with their team members and their, uh, and their employees to ensure that they're bringing that to life because the, the sales process, you know, asking for a referral, um, you know, I said, you shouldn't have to ask for referrals. They should happen. Yeah. That should be your goal. They should just happen because if you're excited about something, you tell people about it. Yeah. If your customers aren't, aren't, um, proactively referring, not react, reactively referring is when I ask you for something and then you feel like you're obligated to give it back to me because I've serviced you at a high level. Got it. That means that's a customer trying to get even with you psychologically, yeah. Yeah. but proactive referrals are different. They want to help. They want to give, they want to share. Uh, how do you generate more? more of those for your business. So I know that you're a huge proponent of different types of technology. Uh, last time that we talked, you know, you were using Trello and uh, you were using a, a different type of um, CRM software that was uh, on your phone. What are some ways that you like to interact with your team and uh, make it easier for that constant flow of, of communication between either your clients or your team? Great question. So, Keith, we use a few different products. We use, um, for constant communication, real-time communication, we use a platform called Slack. Slack is um, email meets instant messenger meets chat box all in one for your business. Uh, how many emails do you send to your employees or your front desk people or your trainers or your patients or your rest of your team that uh, are one line or two lines or don't need to be an email at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so Slack has propelled our ability to be more efficient in our the small conversations throughout the day that happen that we just need a quick answer to. Mm -hmm. We do use Trello to manage projects because um, people like to check boxes. Teams need to be held accountable to mm -hmm. things. Uh, we, we do something every day, probably our best practice that doesn't even require a lot of technology is we do something called a daily business plan where every morning within the first 10 minutes of, of your shift or your, or your, sh or your show time, uh, you submit on Slack in a public chat, chat room called a channel. Okay. You submit three to five things that you are going to accomplish today. Huh. So I might say today, I'm going to send 50 emails to XYZ list. I'm going to service six patients. I am going to uh, send three personal notes to customers or clients I worked with last week. You are specific about things that you're going to achieve. It's done in a public forum so other people can see it and other people can hold you accountable and hold yourself. And you can hold yourself accountable. And then at the end of the day, you submit an end of day plan, which says, how did you do according to that plan? Hmm. Uh, so, we use Trello awesome. and we use Trello and Slack to make sure we're staying on task. But this is what that little action has done for my business and other businesses. People that say they don't want to be micromanaged have the ability to manage themselves. Yeah. Because every day they're gonna say and commit to what their plan is. And when they commit to it, they have to hold themselves accountable to it. And as a leader or a manager or an owner, um, it has allowed me to, you know, I used to do one-on-ones with each employee every week. I do them once every month now. Oh, that's awesome. Because I'm able to sit back and look at the last 30 days and say, 
hey, Keith, you know, you're really doing well at this. You could be doing a little better at this. I'm concerned because, you know, <clears throat> last week, you know, only three of the days you did your plan, you like you disappeared. Like, mind sharing with me what happened. We, I can, we can have more valuable and substantive conversations about uh, expectations when you are um, able to take more ownership in, in your own self-management. Well, you definitely want to be aligned with those people, number one. And then number two, you, you want to see trends. So it gives you a better context that that's, that's a great idea. Absolutely. So, um, like we talked about before, what uh, what stuff you've been listening to lately? So, you know, I guess I think I've gone through a journey over the last two years where I've gotten um, into definitely, you know, uh, a lot more biographies and stories. Um, you know, I, I would probably say if I looked the last couple years, you know, was I tried to consume everything I could from uh, business from from business reading. And then I started diving a lot into history, still a big history reader. I think at any point in time, I try to have balance in the books I'm reading. I'm always touching something on history. I'm always touching uh, a few podcasts on business because I actually feel that since business ideas flow so fast today, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes podcasts and uh, TED Talks and seminars and all you know other uh, accessible content on my phone sometimes is just as valuable uh, on on the fly and on the go. Um, but biographies have been a really big uh, focus of mine recently because in my business, trying to take uh, I think as an owner, one of the problems that most people face is forgetting to continue to develop themselves. Yeah, you focus so much on deliver on developing your people. You want your people to succeed. You're retraining. You're hiring. You're recruiting. You're building. You're turning over employees. Uh, you can't forget to focus on yourself. And I think I've tried to focus. I'm reading. I just got done reading "Long Walk to Freedom" by Nelson Mandela. Um, I just got done reading. Um, I just got done reading an, an, a biography uh, on Phil Knight. Um, tried to, I've tried to mix up and, and have a heavier focus on people who uh, sometimes I respect, sometimes I don't respect yeah. to learn what their journey was. I mean, I read, I read a book on, I read, mm-hmm. I just read a book on the, uh, the founder of the Silk Road. It's called American Kingpin, right? So huh. I, I get um, talking about, you know, again, somebody who his journey brought him into a really dark place. So I, I do think it's important to you know, not, don't just read the Steve Jobs and the Mark Zuckerberg books out there, you know. For God's sake, like go out and read some stuff for some people that have, you know, like you read a book about Nelson Mandela and it, and it makes you realize that um, what what self, selflessness and sacrifice, you know, can mean. I saw that you'd posted some stuff that you were you're in California, whether you're in San Francisco or Silicon Valley, and uh, you were you were part of a pitch program. Yeah, so our company, you know. W- we grew our company to a point where being a technology and a software platform, we, um, we started to explore the idea of raising money and expanding our reach. And we were lucky enough to get introduced and get offered a slot in the accelerator program in San Francisco with 500 startups hmm. and 500 startups for those who follow the tech space, which is kind of funny because I was introduced to them for the first time when I was introduced to them for the first time. <laughs> so even I wasn't really even looking around. It was a little bit naive, um, but they are there's 600 plus accelerator programs all over the world. Uh, it is a hot topic with everything from Shark Tank and everything else that's happening with 
you know, Silicon Valley and startup investing. Yeah. And 500 Startups was one of the top three accelerators in the world. Uh, they offered us a spot, liking, uh, they think they connected with uh, our core focus, which our company, One Huddle, we have a mobile game platform for employee training. And our whole point of view is employees either at a club or at a facility or inside of a coffee shop or on the go more than ever. Um, we're tired of sitting in training workshops where outside speakers come in and, and, and spend the day talking to us, um, or they were tired of being forced to read, you know, two, 300 page manuals that we get when we get hired on day one of a job. Uh, and I, this is there's a lot of fitness background here, Keith, with where, where we all came from. Completely. And we said that if there's no reinforcement to the content you're exposed to, if there's no reinforcement, if you just show up at the gym and do, you know, one day of work and you don't show up again, you're going to lose that work. So our notion was let's take everything you need to know to do your job. Let's gamify it, convert it into a game platform, which young people understand how to work and make it mobile. And uh, 500 Startups, uh, part of the program was not just some some funding, but also the opportunity to uh, almost like take your business to school is what yeah. it really is. You know, we, our whole company got up and moved, went out to, uh, now we're based in New York. So moving to San Francisco in December and January and February is not a bad proposition. <laughs> so we got up and moved. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, it was, uh, you know, anybody who thinks they're doing a great job in their business, if you're afraid to put your company in positions where you're being challenged, you know, y- your glass ceiling is a heck of a lot lower than you might think it is. Oh, okay. So, you know, we uh, it was a great opportunity for us to be willing to go out into an environment with other successful companies and not only see what we can learn, but see where we really are. Yeah, I think one of the things we learned, and, and this is where, you know, the the key to, I think the key to being a great communicator, being a great leader, running a good business is, you know, we live in a world where people love to make easy easy shit hard. Mm-hmm. Now we take the easy stuff and we constantly try to. You know, we turn a a, a 10-page book into a 200-page book so it can sell, right? Uh, The best leaders and companies take the really, really complicated stuff and they make it really, really, really simple. Mm -hmm. And I think what we learned in that experience was how how to get down to the very core of what we offer to an organization. And for us, we offer... um, what we learned is we're a platform to help people be prepared for work. And, you know, yeah, you know, at, 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 if you, if you look at us from a feature perspective, we have a product that is a training product. However, if an employee shows up to work, they're prepared, they're confident, they feel good about their work. They're more likely to succeed. They're more likely to deliver great service. They're more likely to sell better. They're less likely to, they're more likely to give back to their community. They're more likely to go home and, and deliver, uh, to go home and, and, and be a better father, better mother, better husband, better wife. They're less likely to be incarcerated. And all of this stuff happens because the when you wake up and you go to work every day, you, you know you go behind the desk and you don't feel like somebody's yelling at you because you're not trained. I mean, I always said, how bad does, I mean, how, 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 what is the negative impact on a community when an employee goes to work every day and they're on the wrong end of a service interaction? Um, and I think we really learned that. And when we learned that, uh, we started to 
you know, we took 90% of the language on our website and just threw it in the trash. You know, yeah. we said, we need to start this thing over. You know, we're not, we're not a knowledge retention platform. Like we're a people platform. Yeah. yeah. We don't train companies. The only place I, I, you know, I said to somebody the other day, I can show you a company, come over to my desk. I have a 300 page binder on my desk with our letter of incorporation, our tax returns, our business meetings, our board meetings. That's a company. Uh, we train people. We work with people. We yeah. help people. And while it seems small, it, it, it drastically changed the way we looked at our product which affected our marketing, which affected the things that our employees say because they copied the leader, uh, all because we, you know, we were confused about what we were offering. The first thing, you know, like when you guys were talking about your software package and the solution that your company provides for people, you said you've had really good results and seeing how it helps increase sales for facilities like ourselves, like exercise wellness facilities. Now, how are you able to track those results and is that something that then you provide for the for the client so that they can start building solutions to start driving sales faster got it so i think one of the craziest things in the fitness industry is that you know we hold you know our our, the main value prop that we communicate to customers is that if you show up and you show up consistently over time you're going to see results and those results vary from being you know being more fit hitting a weight goal hitting a strength goal, hitting a speed goal, but it's a measurable goal associated with it. Gone are the days where people are just told to show up, get on the treadmill, and go as long and as hard as you can every day. That doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But managers and CEOs inside of fitness clubs, from an organizational perspective, they do that every day with their employees. They tell them, show up, read as many books as possible, show up, uh, go through as many training sessions as possible. Maybe it's live classroom training that they do with their team. But it's, it's very rare that organizations can understand what a specific number of minutes or hours or types of training is necessary for you to be upskilled. Um, in my past, and Keith knows, we worked in the side of the industry prepping players for the NFL draft. We could tell you exactly how many reps, exactly how many minutes, exactly how many movements, exactly how many calories you needed to consume or perform in order to hit your optimal expected performance when your big day came. Again, when it comes to training, more cannot just be the answer when it comes to staff development. So on our platform with One Huddle, we help organizations come to an understanding of how many minutes of training does an employee need to go through if they show up on day one in order to be upskilled and prepared to work. So everybody on the podcast, when it comes to staff development, you're always thinking about onboarding. How long does it take for me to get this employee, this sales rep up to speed, this new coach, this new trainer? So using our platform, uh, we are moving in the direction of being able to help organizations understand what that number is. And I'll tell you a few different ways that we do that. One is, when an employee is hired and they show up on day one, uh, we can immediately, we are a game platform from employee training, so companies can begin to deploy quick burst trivia games to their staff. Think of a game like a chapter in a book. So a game revolves around a specific topic. 
That topic could be your membership process. It could be your mission, vision, core values. It could be, you know, a specific modality that they need to be trained in using. But on day one, you can put together a mix of games, deploy it to that employee to begin to play. And over time, we see in the fitness industry on our platform anywhere between a 40 and 60% increase in knowledge, immediate knowledge retention over a 30-day window. So if I show up on day one and I only know, you know 30% of that topic and it's the first time I've really kind of been consumed, you know, and, uh, I've been faced with this type of material, you know, we'll see upends of 60% increase hmm. in knowledge retention inside of 30 days. Now, that's, that's one data point. That just tells us we can get you from zero to 60 faster than if we force you to cram reading manuals or cram watching and I'm sure, again, there's a heck of a lot of people on this podcast that have watched their fair share of learning videos and different certifications or workshops. Um, it's like a shower. If it's not reinforced, you forget it. Right. Our platform is, uh, we believe that learning should be difficult. Struggle is required. It's no yeah. different in fitness. Yeah. Uh, but what we've done in learning and development is we've, we've done a really, really good job making stuff really, really, really easy. And that's why it doesn't stick. So... Um, the, the most important data points we share, 40 to 60% increase in knowledge retention inside of 30 days. We also see for every 3% an employee increases their performance on our platform, which is uh, accuracy across questions. Uh, we see organizations have uh, anywhere between a 1% to 1.5% boost in sales performance. Hmm. So if I take an employee, and um, now this is... For a sales, for a revenue-generating employee, it's a lot easier for us to make this claim than for a non-revenue-generating employee. But for a, a sales rep or a membership sales rep or somebody that's required, a trainer who's required to hit a number, for every 3% that we boost their understanding of the content on our platform, they will see a direct correlation to an increase in performance. Well, I think it's interesting, too, because a majority of the people that are listening to this podcast are technicians, you know, that are also their own sales reps. Like, I know at Bomarito, with Bomarito, that you've worked alongside uh, not only the sales staff, but also some of their trainers. Um, can you talk about that experience with um, maybe client retention or some of those data points? Yeah, so we, we talk about, in our story, we talk about kind of three impacts on a business with our game platform for training. Uh, the first is assess hiring and assessment, the hiring and assessing phase of um, like an employee's life cycle. You're trying to evaluate a new trainer. You're trying to evaluate a new technician. You're trying to evaluate a new coach. Trying to evaluate a new front desk person uh, in the interview process instead of an assessment, which nobody wants to be assessed. Like employees today are tired of being assessed. Most young people getting out of college, they still have $100,000 in debt. Last thing they want to hear is you're giving them a test. Um, so we use our companies use our game platform as an assessment tool to understand what the baseline is for the employee. Again, if I'm a trainer, I'm on the floor. There's going to be different types of content I use to, to uh, evaluate. If I'm a sales rep or a service rep, I want to see if when you walk into my facility, you've done a little homework on us. Do you know who the owner is? Do you know some background? Hmm. What type of what, what did you do beforehand? So the first is hiring and you know assessing and hiring. The second is what I just explained a minute ago, which is increasing revenue because if you are up trained faster, you sell better longer. But the third point to your question, Keith, has to do with uh, client retention. And if if coaches, you know, technicians, employees, if they are constantly in need 
of reminders. Because we're all exposed to a lot of material during the course of our time in a, in a job role. But if we consistently keep things top of mind, then if I, you know, if I walk out on the floor, I get into my next session, or I walk into my next appointment, I might deploy those talking points or those concepts more rapidly because it's constantly in front of me. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you might say, What's, how is this different than watching a learning module or reading a book? Well, it's, you know, the inherent nature of our platform is that it's a game platform. Mm-hmm. People today love to compete. Uh, young people especially, the average millennial, which is 50% of the workforce by 2020, that generation will have played over 10,000 hours on some type of game platform before they hit 21 years old. So everybody here has read, you know, a few articles along the way talking about the 10,000 hour rule. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we always make the claim. You have a generation, they're experts at playing games. We need to train our 21st century workforce using tools that um, are in alignment with the way that they like to consume information. And, you know, I believe that, you know, if, if we keep content in front of people, we constantly reinforce it. Uh, we uh, make it easier. 70% of the games on our platform are played outside of traditional working hours. Nice. I once had a sales rep tell me this is toilet training. I take that as a, I take that as a, uh, as a compliment, right? Replacing I don't, your I Facebook. <laughs> I can't put that quote on my website, um, but it strikes at something that's interesting. Your, 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 your employees had these little three-minute windows in their day. What are they doing with that time? Yeah. They're not, they're checking social, they're checking an email, they're responding to a text message. What if they could access a game uh, that preps them for their next appointment, their next meeting, their next conversation, and just keep stuff uh, top of mind more rapidly than hoping they read the, read the manual or watch the 30-minute training module? Yeah, completely. It sounds unbelievable. And I, I think, you know, especially like you had mentioned a couple times, we're you know, especially nowadays, people are very tech centric, right? They, they like to use tech. They, you know, a lot of the new college graduates and people in the new workforce coming up are very techy. You know, they, they've had more technology growing up and they're, they're more accustomed to using technology. It's their language. And I think, you know, my big thing, and I think, you know, Keith and I, our biggest struggle with our company and being a smaller business is, you know, we wear multiple hats and we wear, you know, the owner hat and the sales hat and the technician hat and the janitorial hat and, you know, like all these different hats is your software program. And I think the biggest challenge we, we find is bringing in good quality people that are not only good technicians, but are willing to sell that are comfortable in talking about sales with people. We're constantly looking for things to help our people out become more comfortable with going through the sales process in general, right? And, you know, that's why I'm so intrigued with your product. And is that something, you know, as a small business like us, I mean, we're basically us two and one other, one other employee at this point. Is that something that's feasible financially for a smaller business like ourselves to be able to bring something like that, you know, into our facility and maybe, you know, replace a full-time sales person um, initially, or is it something that would allow us to hire a full-time sales guy, utilize your software so that we could get our return in, on investment back by ne- being able to pay somebody out of pocket just to go out and sell? Yep. No, I get it. I, you know, it's uh, 
we're all in the business of building systems, you know, the, uh, in a variety of different ways, the way that we look at the work, you know, I, I always looked at what we're doing is we're kind of like the strength conditioning coach for your business, mm-hmm. for your people, the technology itself allows, and this has been the focus, it should allow us to scale leadership and scale uh, best practices that are shared. And it, I really don't, be, I don't believe it matters if you're a three-person team or a 10,000-person team. There's best practices that everybody is aware of, but they constantly have to be reminded of. Yeah. So, you know, I think that for us, like for us, and it, it, it falls all, it ties all the way into our mission statement where, you know, we have a, a price-per-user business model. So we have health clubs that have a handful of employees, and that's it on our platform. Um, and we have organizations, training facilities, and medical organizations who have a couple thousand on our platform. I think the most important thing in order to get a positive ROI on our platform is a, uh, a commitment to development. And you know, I say that because every organization, if you ask them, are you committed to getting better? Everybody says, you know, they say, yeah, of course we're committed. We, we go to workshops, we go to seminars, we, we have meetings, we, we invest in a lot of tools. Again, the w- training and development is, if, if you only, in most organizations, I would argue, they invest really in like one or two silos. If I was building a, if I was asking you guys about how do I put together the best uh, training facility, I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to drop a new facility in New York you probably wouldn't tell me just to buy one or two pieces of equipment. You'd probably tell me you need to diversify. You need, you need, you know, you need, uh, you know, you need these dozen machines for, for X, these dozen machines for Y. Oh, come on, Sam, you, you know need, what to ask you, you a question. Train. You know I'd ask you a question. Say, <laughs> you want, yeah. So, you, um, you got a bunch of machines. Keith likes the pec deck. I'm sure he's gonna have three different types of them. Uh, but you know, Who you're not going to train, you train from multiple angles. So I also look at it Listen, it's got to work financially into your budget, but um, I think that the best training programs today are actually not just training and development in the, in, in the, that have been looked at in the past. They're actually employee benefit programs. Mm-hmm. The companies using our platform, you know, not only are they com- getting competitive on a day-to-day basis, but they're tying rewards and recognition, gift cards, dinner with the CEO, uh, lunch with the manager. They're they're creating fun around training, and I say I say it all the time. If we can get an employee to compete with another employee on something like a training module, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, again, from a, if you're a three-person team, I guarantee you probably want to get to four or five. If we can create some more efficiencies for you. Um, They'll give you the opportunity to make that decision if that's what you want to do or not. Top down, you have to make sure that the um, the core values of, of the organization are are matching that 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 vision as far as people making sure that they're that they're leveling up. So that makes a whole lot of sense. Absolutely, yeah. No, couldn't I, agree more. I just think when we talked last, you know, you brought up some great points, and you know, I'm I'm very interested, and you know, I've learned a little bit about you know, what you've done based on looking at your website and stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, the more that, uh, we kind of, Keith and I kind of talked after our last talk, I was just like, man, I'd really love to learn more. And I think people listening to this podcast would love to learn more because we, we, we are hitting people that, you know, are the bigger clubs or are the bigger, you know, um, facilities, but then you, you have a lot of, you know, kind of mom and pop shops like Keith and I have where, there's one, two, three people. Oh, and they you know, never and, trained sales. Well, and I think the biggest thing that strikes me, honestly, is 
it's a game. So, and you can turn it into a game. And the fact that people are okay playing games, especially in a, in a more secure, comfortable setting so that when they play that game in front of the audience, they're not so nervous, right? So it's easier to play that game on your iPad or your phone or a computer screen. And if you get more confidence doing that, the idea that you can play that against an actual person, meaning you actually having a conversation about sales with another potential client is awesome. Because, yeah. you know, like I think some of us are innately better salespeople than others, right? It comes natural to some people and some people they really struggle. But it's like, like a we, virtual role play. Like we know in this industry, it's like, you know, if you get somebody really good and is very technically sound and is a great coach, doesn't necessarily mean he's comfortable or she's comfortable making a sale, oh, you Sam. know, and that's, that's the frustrating part. It's like, you've got this great <laughs> employee suck. that can really do this fantastic job with your clients, but yet they can't talk to anybody and they can't express to anybody, you know, how good they are or what they're actually doing. So they struggle from a, a financial standpoint or from a client retention standpoint. And as a business owner, it's like, yeah, you know, I can be somewhat decent at the sales thing, but I don't have sales training. I've just been good at talking with people for a long time. So how do I put that into a platform for my employee when I don't really even know what I do? I'm just I'm just myself, right? And I think that's where your platform comes in, which really intrigues me. Like, man, this could be a great tool for all these businesses out here that don't have a true salesperson or somebody that's trained in sales, but maybe you know, has just been a naturally gifted salesperson and doesn't know how to put that into a platform for their other employees. Does that make sense? I know that was a lot, yeah, lot no, a lot I, going on I, I there, think, but listen, like, I, I, I think sales has changed and it's because, you know, 15 years ago, consumers, I mean, I could even talk about, you know, when I first started selling, uh, you know, the, the seller, if they were well-trained would be have more tools at their disposal from a persuasion and word track and strategy perspective than a customer. But that's changed today. Technology, uh, I mean, try selling a car today. When a customer is sitting across from you and they have their phone and they're asking you about the product features and benefits and comparable pricing and they know every answer that comes out of your mouth, they can just Google. Mm -hmm. So the what what's happened it is almost you know everything comes full circle uh you know i think that there's this notion that to be a great seller you have to be quick you have to be fast you have to be on your feet you have to be persuasive and no doubt i think people that have those characteristics have a stronger foundation however today what customers want more than ever is to be able to have their information better organized hmm. and i think that's also why in you know in our industry here like what we're talking about you have people with a ton of information, yeah. a ton of knowledge. What they struggle with is, you know, it is vomiting on the customer instead of just organizing it better and knowing that to sell somebody takes multiple steps. Yeah. It doesn't have to all happen in one interaction. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about the shopper versus the buyer. Customers are going to shop. They're going to look around. They're not even sure if they have a problem yet. I mean, how many, again, in the fitness and wellness space, how many people are walking the street that don't even know they have a problem yet? You can't just walk up to them and push them into a, a decision. So I think that the, 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 you know, we look at skill training a lot. Help people to learn the information faster. They can deploy it faster, but then help them to organize it better 
Uh, again, I don't think that in the, in the years ahead is people can, I know, again, five years ago, none of us were closing sales via text message. Now we are. Yeah. You know, so that's changing. It would be remiss, you know, of, of us to continue to train on the, the same things people have been talking about for 20 or 30 years. Because like I said, the skill level we know as consumers when we're being sold to, we have a good nose for it. So the, the person who's not a naturally, maybe maybe not a natural seller, in my opinion, has a, more, a better strategic advantage in a conversation because they're coming at it from a different point of view. Yeah. yeah and I, one of the things that I noticed as well, and, and which I find to be completely relationship driven, which is where you're actually trying to see whether or not what you do can solve a problem and solve their problem and asking better questions to at least uncover those problems. And, and most people don't take the time to either listen or on top of listening, tailor a question that can try to extrapolate like what the heck's even going on with that person and putting, a, <laughs> putting together a tool like the one that you guys have created um, in, in a way that, that can be tailored towards flushing out those questions, I think can be so useful for so many people, not only recognizing their sales process, but the continuation of the customer experience by making sure that all their data points for what matters for that individual, for their specific needs, in their specific case, matched with what you do is all on point. Again, if you have... If you have imp- as a seller today, there's a great book out there that I like that I recommend for people that are just starting to maybe come to the realization that they are a sales rep or in, in, you know they're, or they have a sales hat on in their current role. Uh, it's a book called The Challenger Sale, uh, and I think it's it, it's very basic in in its in its premise, but it it it, it talks about the point. Of the, there are different selling styles, and there's been tons of books on selling styles, but it makes the uh, point that the seller that's the most effective in today's environment is not the one who's relationship-focused or the one that's like the lone wolf who's the one that's out there in the market who can do, you know, can hit, can sell anybody anything, anytime, but probably couldn't train another person to do the same thing. But it's the person that's uh, challenges the customer to action, which again, in the health, wellness, and fitness space, is there anything else that we do as great coaches and leaders every day, but challenge our customer to change? Yeah. So again, the premise being that the, the one who creates sales is all about motivation. How do you get somebody to take action? Because they either, if they know they have a, because if they know they have a problem and they're walking in the door to me, that's that's the easy sale. It's the one who doesn't know they have a problem yet, but they're investigating. And they need to be persuaded and influenced and motivated to take action and understand that this is the place to do it. It's at within my means and I can make something happen. Um, again, I think that, you know, just uh, today's today and our platform, especially on the game front, we understand that people have a lot of information at their fingertips. We just got to help them better organize it and deploy it in the right order. That's awesome. Well, yeah, man. I, 
you know, I appreciate you taking the the extra time to answer a few more of our questions, you know, that... Uh, and Brandon doesn't have a lifesaver lodged in his lung anymore. Yeah, that's true. So I can actually talk today um, without <laughs> choking on my on my spit, basically. Um, I'm suffocating but, on a but lifesaver. No, we, we totally appreciate you taking the time. We know you're super busy. You know, you've, uh, you've created a product that honestly is fantastic. If people want to check you out and uh, want to learn more about your product, where should they go and how can they get a hold of you? And so if you want to learn more about the training game platform from One Huddle, uh, you can go to onehuddle.co. It's the number one huddle.co. Uh, and we have a product demo on our website you can check out and learn more. So I think I've been, I've been very lucky, you know, and I, I think that anybody who, you know, from our time working together, you know, where uh, I talk about if, if, if I didn't, you know, I had signed to play football at Alabama, I went to Alabama, I came back. If I didn't, I could have very easily have chosen to come back and work, uh, work out out of a Bally Total Fitness and not work out out of my old high school. And if I didn't work out of my, if I, if I didn't do that, that would have been, I would never have been in the right place at the right time to meet people like yourself and others who have kind of set, set me down, down a path to be where I am today. And I think that the, the meat, the key takeaway from that experience is, you know, luck, luck happens. Like no doubt if any of us on this call or people listening were born, uh, in, in some different part of the globe, your life might not turn out. You might be just as smart, just, just as tenacious, but your situation you know, does, does, you know, does dictate a lot. Um, and I think that once you understand that luck happens, then you can understand that you got to get in the business of trying to make a heck of a lot more of it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I always said, I, you know, I, I got on the planes that nobody would go on. I went to the major league baseball winter meetings when nobody, even the company I worked for, wouldn't even pay for it. Yeah. Um, went to the combine. We went, we went places. We go to the, like, I have a networking event tonight at five o'clock. There's other things I could be doing tonight, mm-hmm. uh, but I know that I might bump into somebody. I might, yeah. I might see somebody. Um, most of the time, I may not. Uh, but I, you create those opportunities. And I think, from a balanced perspective, you know, you, you you have to give yourself. You can't you can't go through life or run your business without a goal line, and you have to measure yourself. You have to look at a scoreboard, and if you're just uh, if you're just spinning your wheels, if you're sitting on the, you know, if you're sitting on the, uh, if you're on the tr- on the treadmill, and you know, you, your heart rate isn't where it needs to be, or you're not huffing and puffing the way you're supposed to be, um, you know, you're wasting time. And I think that that's definitely a constant struggle. Something new that I've had to learn, yes, as being a new father, uh, it definitely has forced me to be more efficient. Um, yeah, completely, completely. But I'm, but I'm cool with that. Hey, congratulations! My, by the my way. wife says I'm. My wife says I'm cool with that too. <laughs> that, that's a straight out lie. So that's why I'm cool with that. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Awesome, man. I, again, we appreciate it. And um, again, I hope you had a great first Father's Day. It was great. I'm. Uh, I didn't have to change a diaper, but now I'm. Now I'm back on duty. Thanks, Brandon. Good stuff. Take All care, right, guys. Bye. Bye. Yep. Bye.